Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. Hey guys, it's Perry here to let you know that this episode of Collider Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans where you can binge the highly touted original series, Titans, or you can jump into the all-new Swamp Thing with new episodes dropping weekly. Also, check out the thousands of comics just added, catch up on your favorite series including Krypton Season 1, and watch animated movies like Reign of the Superman. Join at DCUniverse.com. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Stay little chico, Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We've got a double dose of X-Men today for you on Collider Movie Talk. First up, we're doing our box office recap, and we're going to tell you how Dark Phoenix did. And then after that, we are rolling into a second Dark Phoenix story because there are a ton of juicy behind-the-scenes details that we're eager to get into, figure out what exactly happened with that movie, and then speculate what the right moves for the X-Men film franchise might be going forward. And... I am Perry Nemiroff. I'm your host, but I get to sit here at this table with two wonderful people who I love doing this show with, hey. John Roca and Haley Fouch. Your smiling faces yeah. fill my heart with joy on this Monday. Oh, uh, yeah. We're not the director <laughs> or producers of Dark Phoenix, so we are smiling today. <laughs> That's for damn sure. <laughs> at least it's an interesting discussion to have. I am never rooting for a movie to fail, sure. and I did actually teeter positive on Dark Phoenix, so it's a bummer to see this franchise fizzle out quite like it did. 
But so it goes, and hopefully there's still a bright future for these characters on the big screen moving forward. To recap the full box office lineup right now, we have The Secret Life of Pets topping the charts with $46.7 million. Number two went to Dark Phoenix with $32.8 million. Three was Aladdin with $24.7 million. Four was Godzilla, King of the Monsters with $15.5 million. Rocketman came in at number five with another $13.8 million. Roku, you see yeah. this lineup here. What stands out to you? Well, to me, uh, you got to look at that. Who in their right mind would have ever thought the Secret Life of Pets two would defeat and would defeat X Men: Dark Phoenix? Even after Apocalypse, you thought they'll get it right. The public will come back. They did not. But the other, we'll talk about all of that, I'm sure. But Aladdin is the one I want to give a shout out to. That thing crossed 605 million worldwide. That's incredible. Everyone thought this thing was going to bomb. Everyone did, and look at it doing its money. So those people in the small minority who are complaining about these live-action remakes hate to break it to you. You are in a small camp because a lot of people are coming to see these films and enjoy them. So Aladdin, props to Disney for doing that. It was a very pleasant surprise, yeah. and they're doing well I with it. Totally and actually, agreed. looking at this top five, that seems to be the only one that is yeah. in good shape because yeah. you bring up Secret Life of Pets. Secret Life of Pets, no doubt, like months and months ago, was always going to top Dark Phoenix to me, even if Dark Phoenix oh, did better. But gotcha. $46.7 million is extremely low for Secret mm-hmm. Life of Pets 2, especially when you consider what the first movie made. It was $104.3 million. This is less than half of that. And I have a feeling Universal and Illumination thought this was going to be a juggernaut of a franchise for them. And it's a little bit surprising to see that happen when they both had the A- Cinema score. And then on top of that, this one seems to be getting better reviews than the last Mm. one. So even though I missed out on it, so I can't make an opinion on the quality of the movie for myself, I'm I'm a little sad to see this one not get the love it could Mm. possibly deserve, especially based on Dave's glowing review on Collider.com. But, (laughs) you know, you think about it. I believe that first Secret Life of Pets movie still has the opening weekend record for original animated movies. Mm. And I don't know. I like original uh, filmmaking. So (laughs) I wanted to see this one do well. Well, it's not. I mean, now it's a sequel of an original thing, right? It's I guess so. It's still part wonderful. of a. It's part of an original <laughs> franchise yeah, 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 that totally. isn't based on anything. Uh, I feel you. How you um, feeling about a uh, Godzilla right now, Haley? I know you're a big fan. Uh, oh, I mean, it's it's a bummer, right? There's yeah. no way around it. Uh, last time I was here, we were kind of talking like, well, we'll have to see how it continues to perform overseas, and it's just not doing it it has one market left in spain which is not going to move the needle in the way that you know if their last market was china or something i'd say like oh it still has a chance it could Mm -hmm. it could do big numbers it's just not it's not going to happen it's sort of bombed out and i'm i'm sad i'm glad that we already have a guaranteed one Mm. more in the monster verse because if that doesn't do if it doesn't move the needle i don't think we're going to see anymore yeah i was a little disappointed to see that as well because i was thinking that maybe it had a chance of holding on a little better than it did in the states given the fact that you know when i was busy sitting there comparing it to kong skull island and the 2014 godzilla movie i'm like well this movie doesn't have as much to lose so that Mm. means we're going to see a smaller percent change that's actually the highest percent change of the franchise now what is it 67.5 percent that is a huge weekend to drop especially Especially for a movie that opened as small as that one did. Well, do, does this put the other one in question? Yes, they said it's still coming, but do, do you now push it back? Remember, Potter did that. They've pushed back they, their installments. Will they push this one back, work the script a little bit more out of fear because of the box office returns? It's already, I believe it's shot. Oh, wow. Uh, if it's not shot, it's ending right. filming mm-hmm. at the moment because they've been in production for quite a while. Fascinating. Yeah, uh. so they're, they're in. Yeah. Like They got to roll it out and maybe... 
I don't know what you guys think if it was a marketing thing or if it's just we don't care about these kinds of monsters the way that we care about dinosaurs. I, it's it's interesting. I, th- I think people were burnt from the uh, from the Kong Skull Island was kind of half and even half. Yeah. Un- it was uneven, and so was the original Godzilla. A lot of people didn't like that Godzilla one too. So I think it just got. I think it caught up. Finally, the audience is caught up. Like people complained about the Transformers movies. Eventually, that last one last night was where the fans were like, that's enough. I'm I, yeah, I'm done. I wonder how this one does because none of these have been reviewed extensively uh, in, a, in a great way. No. So I don't want to take away any kind of you know, blame for the quality of these movies, mm. the franchise, the general lack of interest in certain topics. But given the fact that we're also talking about Dark Phoenix this episode, I am wondering if we're starting to feel the effects of an overcrowded marketplace. Mm. Because that's this fair. summer in particular, every single summer is packed. We usually have one big release every single weekend. But this summer feels... I mean, almost like out of control, like there's really no room to breathe. And we always talk about how important having legs are, but now Mm. there's really no opportunity to have legs. So I just wonder if some of these lower numbers that we're experiencing right now is just kind of a sign of the times and where we're heading in the future that if you are not the biggest of the big, if you don't make the most noise at the box office, your chances are just diminishing. Yeah. I mean, it certainly seems to be heading that way. Mm. And then I think it comes into a factor of, like, making smart choices, knowing that is the case. Like, then you keep your budgets down, you keep your marketing Mm -hmm. down, do maybe more of a grassroots marketing campaign than the plaster, the posters on every billboard in Los Angeles type thing, you know? Because there's there's room, even with the demands of a monster film, to make a lower-budget version Mm -hmm. of these movies Mm -hmm. that then these numbers, especially the overseas numbers, become great instead of disappointing if you keep your budgets in the right realm. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of factors in play, especially when we talk about the variety of movies on today's box office list. But steering into uh, Dark Phoenix a little here. So Dark Phoenix came in well under expectations. And not only did it not meet the studio expectations for the weekend, but it is officially the lowest opening for the X-Men film franchise. You're looking at the chart right here. I thought it was going to come in just behind number nine, which is the Wolverine. And I think I wound up predicting something like a $45 million start for this movie. Whoa, that is a big gap, though. It is a major, major difference here. So we're going to dig into all the details about why this might happen in story number two today. But just your initial impression of a number like this, when you saw those box office numbers come in, what was your first reaction? Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) I I wasn't surprised at all, to be honest with you, because it always felt like a lame duck film anyway. And it's like when they cancel a TV series four episodes in, how much time, how how many people are going to come back and keep watching the series and invest the time? We all knew they're not going to bring any of these people back. Most people knew that this is the end of the line for it. And the 22% or 21% of Rotten Tomatoes was the nail in the coffin to me. So I I wasn't surprised by this, to be honest with you. Yeah, it should have been higher, sure, but I wasn't. Like, oh, my God. I'm not shocked, but it's mm. still the the impact of that number. Yeah. It's still like, whoa, mm-hmm. uh, y'all messed up. <laughs> and I don't, I like, that's what all these reports are. Like, what could they have done different? What yeah. went wrong? Everybody's sort of investigating that. But there's also, 
just as you mentioned, this feeling that like there was no energy around it. Mm-hmm. You barely even like felt that there was an X-Men movie coming out at all. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of details that we're going to dig into right now, including something that Jesus Gastelum is asking for in the live chat right now. How much did those reshoots cost for Dark Phoenix? So we're not going to get into those specifics, but we do have a ballpark movie, what the studio spent on Dark Phoenix. And we're going to talk about that in story number two. But right now, I've got something you got to keep your eye out for on the Collider Video YouTube channel. Check it out. Hey guys, Riley here, and let me tell you about Rule of Two. You looking for a Star Wars fix? Well, Rule of Two is that show. It drops on Collider Video's main YouTube channel, as well as on Podcast One's Jedi Council feed. So go over there, subscribe, share it with your friends. It's hosted by myself and Mark Fernandez. We talk everything in the Star Wars universe with a lot of deep dives and a lot of conversations that go all in. You know what to do. Subscribe, join us there, and rise. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, conmen, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the C. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Hey guys, Perry here again to remind you that this episode of Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe. It's the first all-DC platform for us DC fans. Join at DCUniverse.com and get sucked into new original series like the highly touted Titans or catch up on favorites like Krypton Season 1. You can also jump into new episodes of Swamp Thing dropping weekly and follow Abby Arcane as she investigates what seems to be a deadly swamp-borne virus in a small town in Louisiana and soon discovers that the swamp holds mystical and terrifying secrets. You can also get your comic book fix with thousands of new comic titles just added to an already impressive comic library. This includes more recent titles and complete storylines like Superman Secret Origin, Batman 2011, and Harley Quinn 2013. Also available on the platform are tons of the classic DC movies we love like Batman and the original Superman movie. And then if animated films are more your speed, sign up now because Reign of the Superman and Justice League vs. The Fatal Five are now available. DC Universe is available on all your favorite devices, so if you're thinking about it before jump in join and get a year's worth of dc content at dcuniverse.com
Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, conmen, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. In addition to Rula 2, in addition to Rula 2 we also have a ton of E3 coverage coming your way all week. You're going to get it on the Collider Games channel, the Collider Video channel, and also on Collider.com. So you're going to want to check all of that out. And then on top of that, follow Instagram because Dorian is going to be posting some stuff from E3 all week. It's a lot of fun. You got to... Check all that out, especially Dorian's drinks. <laughs> Hope you're enjoying that. All right. Story number two here. Let's hit Dark Phoenix from THR. They posted a big postmortem today detailing a whole bunch of insider information they got based on the production. So according to this article, a Fox insider told the outlet there was a misguided feeling that Apocalypse was an anomaly, that we just got it wrong. And at first, the movie release date was November 2018 for Dark Phoenix. After that, we know it was pushed to February 2019. Then, with marketing already underway, Fox pushed the release date again to June 3rd, 2019. Actually, it's June 7th. Insiders tell THR that... The move was actually to placate James Cameron and his concerns for Alita Battle Angel. The problem is, according to the THR piece, that Dark Phoenix was never designed to be a summer movie. So, Roka, mm. what is your take on this little first bit of information that we're covering right now? I'm, I'm wondering how they could be so misguided to not know that there were problems with this X-Men franchise from the beginning, there have been issues. I mean, Last Stand did not do that well. Then you hire the guy who co-wrote Last Stand to be in charge of the Phoenix story again and then you get, make him direct the film. Then you do reshoots over and over again. Like, all of that just, to me, signaled a, a, a demise for this film. And then you start pushing it to placate James Cameron, which to me makes no sense for a film like Alita Battle Angel that had absolutely no buzz and no one was going to see this thing in large numbers. So if they were either playing the long game to placate him because of Avatar uh, and then they sacrificed uh, Dark Phoenix, which should have been their, a great ending installment of this franchise, uh, in exchange. And that, I think, they're just massive mistakes all around. But them lying about, well, I'm sorry, my belief that they lied about <laughs> this idea that, oh, we saw Captain Marvel. We didn't want to make it close to Captain Marvel. It's all smoke and mirrors. They knew they didn't have a good product. They knew they couldn't get it right. And they just dropped it. And this is the result. Well, Deadline actually also ran a report on some of the behind-the-scenes stuff mm. on Dark Phoenix. And according to their report, the claims that the ending was too similar to Captain Marvel just wasn't true. No one on the Fox slash Dark Phoenix production side had any intel of what Captain Marvel would be like before it was released. 
Yeah, that could that yeah. could have been the case, but also in terms of the release dates being pushed and pushed and pushed, and that mm-hmm. final last push to let's say maybe placate James Cameron. I mean, at that point, what's the big deal? Yeah. That seemed to this movie seemed to have been such a low priority yeah. for them at that point, and also the merger was a done deal. Big deal, especially if someone like James Cameron, who is such a formidable, strong force in this industry, I could understand why they would want to appease him and move this thing off its date. But the concern that they had about this never having been a summer release is fascinating to me. And it almost goes back to what I was saying at the end of the box office segment. I feel like that's the game some of these studios are going to have to play with certain franchises is you're going to have to start designing things for other times of year because, yes, the whole year-round calendar is overloaded, but summer in particular is almost like dooming your movie because there is just so, so much out there. It's also a matter of kind of what we were talking about, this complete lack of buzz. I do feel that by continually pushing it, redefining the film... There was no clear marketing for it. And I'm really surprised. I thought Disney, once they had it, was going to lean all in on, like, the last one. This is your last fire sale. Get your last X-Men before we pull it off the market for a while. But they didn't lean into that. So there was no hook to hang on to. And when you keep pushing your film like that, I think it signals to audiences just as much to everyone else what you said, that it's not a priority. It's not a priority for the studio. Why should it be a priority for us? That's mind-blowing to me. This is a premier franchise. Yeah. And the fact that you treat it this way for the chance that these Avatar films might be good. We haven't seen Cameron in the theaters in years. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you want to sacrifice this thing. It's insulting to the X-Men brand that a lot of people... Comic book lovers like me love and adore and revere and go see these movies. And for it to be treated like this, it's just a horrible sign all around. So now that's why we're even more doubly excited that it's going to Disney and the MCU. And we'll see what they do with it down the road. I'm having a hard time pointing such a strong finger at anyone over at Fox just because, you know, maybe it would have been an issue for that original release date way back when. Mm. I Like, I forget when they were in production versus when the rumors of the merger first started to emerge. But if it hit a point where folks over at Fox were just like, well, we're going to lose our jobs anyway, or we have no focus and we have no leadership. Mm. Because that deadline report also talked about just confusion in the marketing department. Who's to blame them for kind of dropping the ball a little, especially when there's no hope or direction for this iteration of X-Men in the future? Yeah, it's how do you sell that product? I mean, at at a certain point, also, when something has been on the shelf for so long, that says something to audiences, Mm -hmm. right? Then how does the marketing team convince them that all the connotations are not accurate when the material itself is kind of meh? Yeah. It's very hard. So I don't just point the finger at marketing, Mm -hmm. but it's it's a factor. I don't think that anyone really knew what to make of this film, including, it seems, the people who made it, which is, then how do you sell that? Well, the reshoots, right? Why do you waste the money on the reshoots in a vain attempt to try to save this film? It doesn't make any sense at all. If you knew it was going to crash anyway, just drop it as it is and move on. That's the thing that I don't understand overall. Very curious to see what they do with New Mutants. Oh, yes, so am I. (laughs) Speaking of the money, though, Deadline is predicting that this one is going to, they say it will burn out with an estimate Estimated $100 million to $120 million loss after ancillaries <laughs> off a combined production and P&A estimated cost of $350 million plus, which includes the reshoot. So mm. this is a, a 
pretty significant loss right here. And I wonder if it will change plans for New Mutants. Again, I still stand by what I said the last time we covered New Mutants, which is if Disney is going to go ahead and let those reshoots happen, you don't bother doing that unless you have some faith you're going to get a return on it, Mm -hmm. whether it is going as far to incorporate it into the MCU or even just try to just turn out a single standalone good movie. But we also have a question in the live chat from Stephen Geo, who wrote, now the X-Men have to share the production budget and schedule with the MCU. Will they be able to give them the breathing room they deserve? So with that, with that kind of question, it's difficult because I don't know the behind-the-scenes mm. details about how Marvel Studios breaks down their budget. But, I mean, yes, they will have to share it to a degree. And that's part of the problem, again, with the overcrowding at the, uh, at the theaters now is that now it's also like, Disney overcrowding and you got to think about all the different departments Mm -hmm. they have and even though yeah maybe they're staffing up a little more so than they were before but there's only so much time and money and energy to go around so it could be a little bit of a challenge to spread all these movies out over so many years. I don't think there's a rush. I I really don't. I think people want to let it die for a little while. The Spider-Man thing was an anomaly and and the MCU got lucky with that by getting the right Spider-Man and Tom Holland do whatever, but people were dumb with Spider-Man and they were able to bring him back slowly but surely and now he's he's back in uh, being a permanent place in, in the MCU. But like, this is a weird situation with X-Men. I think you'd let it die for a little while, build up how you want to cast it, whatever, find your way to the X-Men organically through what you're already creating and then release it. You got to wash the taste out for all. Same thing with Fantastic Four. There is no rush to release mm. a movie like that this quickly let me reshape this pitch for you a little because i think what steven might be getting at or how i kind of read his question is over the past couple of years we've gotten those many mcu movies Mm. and we've gotten these many x-men movies now that they're all together is it possible to still maintain the same numbers no and i don't think that'll be the intention either i think that uh i agree with what you said Mm. which is that they're gonna give it a big rest because uh, for all the reasons you said and it just, they don't need it right mm-hmm. now. Number one reason is they're very much thriving, very successful. And I think it was the THR report that, that had a quote from someone saying they're, they're going to take their time with it. And when they do introduce it, that's 10 more years of MCU movies that are, you know, just by having the X-Men, you've got a decade more mm-hmm. of filmmaking to mm-hmm. do. So I think that they will integrate it into the plans for the MCU, not not say we, we have our MCU movies and then we yeah. have our X-Men movies. I'm definitely with you guys on that. One other point that I did want to bring up, which I found very interesting in that Deadline article, was there was a point where they said Dark Phoenix was originally planned to be two movies. <laughs> and that seems to me like it could have been the better path to take because one of my biggest issues with this particular story is that you needed a stronger foundation with the newer characters in order to justify this big moment for Jean Grey where her relationships with these people are called into question. So maybe stretching it out over the course of two movies was the better way to go. And they were saying that uh, Kinberg basically played ball with the studio in those requests. And I wonder if it would have been an opportunity to creatively fight for the better path to have taken with the story. I mean, maybe, but judging by how all this happened with Disney and anything, that would have maybe been even worse and we're left with no ending. Uh, That's a fair point. I mean, maybe Mm. we wouldn't have gotten a movie at all. Yeah, exactly. I I, needed the space to tell the story, I think, definitely. Even just right out of the gate, there's like one scene and then it's like, 
boom, you're off into this adventure that you've been wanting to see forever, but yeah. you don't, there's no time to get hyped about the idea of the X-Men in space and all this cool stuff that this movie was supposed to present because it's move, 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 move. Well, and, and the X, these, this new batch of X-Men was never the, the leader of these films, yeah. right? It was always a po- it was Apocalypse. It was Wolverine in Days of Future Past. It was Xavier with uh, a fast, and Magneto with Fassbender and McAvoy. It was never this crew of actors. And so they, th- that doesn't drag you into the movie. It doesn't drag you into seeing this thing. And if they had stretched it out over two movies, that would have made sense to let us connect with these people a little bit more mm-hmm. playing these characters. Then you could understand something like Dark Phoenix happening and feeling, as, feeling it as a tragedy. And they didn't have enough time to build it up, just like they did the first iteration of X-Men. They fumbled this Dark Phoenix story twice. What is the damn rush? (laughs) Let them breathe. Let them have adventures and move to it. Marvel just showed you the blueprint. Ten years to get to the Thanos story. It it can take time. Let us enjoy it. And they never do. Speaking about that, to wrap up the segment, I have one prediction question for you guys. How long do you think it will be until we see the Dark Phoenix story back on the (laughs) big screen? 20 years. It's inevitable. I feel like it's going to happen. And I feel like it should. Why waste this rich story just no, because it wasn't I, done properly, especially got, if you earn it? But you have so many ancillary yeah. characters that are attached to the Dark Phoenix story that, that you need to lay the groundwork for. A very fair point. Yeah. Coming, coming from who, someone who doesn't read comics right. and is just told about some of the most popular storylines. And a popular mm. storyline, that excites me. But right. I guess in my mind at this point, it is a shame that we never got a really strong version of this tale on screen. I thoroughly agree with you, and we'll see what happens as the MCU. They may start laying the seeds for it down the road, but I think you say Dark Phoenix, if people not start to have like little face twitches yeah. now, and nobody mm. wants to see it for at least 20 years, at least. At least, and I don't think that's the direction they will go based on what they did with Spider-Man, yeah. which is we will not tell that origin story again. Right. You know it, we're done, we're right. not doing it. And I think that's the the smart move, yep. and it obviously paid off with Spider-Man. It's a shame that we didn't get Dark Phoenix, but like, there's a lot of X-Men stories out there that are really oh, cool, sure. and I think we can branch out from this that makes, like you said, everyone House, just go, oh. There's so much. House of M, you've got the scrolls yeah. now. We can definitely play with the scrolls. There's so much to play with in the X-Men universe that you can leave the Dark Phoenix storyline for a while. All right, I look forward to seeing what they do and I'm still waiting not so patiently for New Mutants. All right, (laughs) let's take one quick live chat question. I'm going to go for one from Ghost World, who's writing for Dune. I just finished reading the book, very much like Game of Thrones. Would this be better as a Netflix miniseries instead of a film? There's a lot to explain. Funny you should ask that question, because you know what just broke right before we sat at this desk? Here's the headline that I've got here from The Hollywood Reporter. Dune the Sisterhood TV series, a go at Warner Media. So an announcement for a Dune TV series before we get the new Dune movie. Is it a good idea? Is it too much too fast? Well, a few years ago, someone came out and said, I'm going to have one Power Rangers movie. I knew movie, you were going to do it. <laughs> I knew Don't you were going to say it. Don't your chickens before they hatch. <laughs> For God's sakes, get it right once and then start talking about a TV series. Uh, uh, Drew McWeeny and I on Mailbag a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this. And him, who is a man of knowledge and was like, I have a real fear of how people are going to consume Dune because it's such a massively dense book. Mm-hmm. To now start turning it into a miniseries to a company which you've got in the film here, it's very, very very dangerous. I, I think it's the t- highest of high wire acts to pull off because it is a dance dance book. It did not go well for the Dark Tower. <laughs> yes. So that's Another a recent point. example of why you should probably do one thing really well before building an empire around it. 
I have more faith in Dune because it is Denis Villeneuve, sure. and and I can see why they want to do that. Do I want to see the series? Sure. Do I believe it will happen, especially based on the numbers that Blade Runner got? TBD, y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait until the first uh, thing piece that comes across my desk with the headline is Dune Doomed. Yeah. Someone's going <laughs> to think they're really clever with that oh, one. Yeah. It's not going to be me. All right, guys, that is a wrap on our show today. A huge thank you, as always, thank for brightening you. our days on Monday. Adam in the booth, thank you so much for your hard work. Same to you as well, Dorian. We're glad to have you back in town. Guys, do not forget to like and share this episode of Collider Movie Talk. Also, tell everybody you know we exist in podcast form as well. Check it out. Spread the love. And tune in tomorrow, 3 p.m. PT Live, for a brand new episode.